to give uh, to the ministry of uh, Flowing Forth in, in the year 2020. Um, you know, I, I notice in myself uh, that sometimes I just fill this card out without actually thinking about it. You know, it's kind of based on, you know, last year, the year before, or, uh, some sense of uh, uh, what I feel like I have to, to give. And so I just want to give you uh, some time right here at the, at the start um, to take a minute and, and think about why you give. Um, why are you generous? And I'm not just talking about what you're going to put on, uh, on that card because that's really kind of secondary to me. Um, you know, when I look at, at the life of Jesus and uh, see the way in which he was generous with the entirety of his being and uh, what it means for us to be Christians, followers of Jesus, is, is to be generous and embody that same sort of generosity with our lives. Um, and that doesn't just mean you're generous in, in what you uh, put in the, in the offering plate on a Sunday morning, but hopefully that you're generous with, with your whole life, uh, that you're giving with, with your whole life. And so I just want to give you a, a minute here to, to think, uh, to ponder uh, for yourself, why is it that, that I give? Um, why is it that I give? So, so think about that for a minute. Hear this, uh, this scripture from Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There was no needy persons among them. So I, I want to read that last part again in a, in a slightly different version. Uh, With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. 
we'll come back to that scripture in just a little bit. So keep it in the, in the back of your, your mind uh, for a minute. And I want to compare it to uh, another story from, from my own life. Uh, so several months ago, my mom asked me uh, if I would take her to the airport. Uh, on October 30th and pick her up on November 2nd. And being the, the, the good son that I am, I said, of course, Mama, I'd love to take you to the airport. Um, and so I put it in my calendar and I kind of forgot about it for a few weeks. Well, uh, it was two weeks ago, uh, uh, October 30th, and uh, I was still more than happy to do it the day before. Um, and then I woke up at 6 a.m. on Wednesday, October 30th, and there was snow on the ground. It was snowing and I was a lot less excited to uh, take my mom to the airport. Uh, but I uh, got in my car and I made my way to Sandwich and uh, the roads weren't that bad, but I was stuck behind the most cautious driver in all of DeKalb County. Um, and so I ended up getting into my mom's house late and I was a little on edge. Um, but we got their suitcases in the car. My mom and her friend got in the car and we made our way uh, to the airport and things were looking a little better. The roads were a little better. The snow had changed to rain and I wasn't stuck behind that slow mobile anymore. Uh, and so we make it to 88 and uh, I'm expecting you know, smooth sailing, right? It usually takes me maybe an hour at most to get to the airport from my house. Traffic was backed up bumper to bumper all the way to Orchard Road. Um, and I'm looking at the clock and I'm looking at my GPS and I'm asking my mom, what time does your flight board? Because um, I was afraid they weren't going to make it. Um, so there I am sitting in traffic uh, and I was stressed and I was upset and about an hour and a half into what turned out to be a two-hour drive uh, my mom's friend uh, uh, in the back seat passed me up a $20 bill and said uh, here you go Derek I, I just wanted to thank you for uh, for taking us um, here's some money for gas and you want to know what the first thing on my mind was it should have been thank you, right? It should have been thank you. The first thing on my mind, though, was how come my mom didn't give me anything? <laughs> how, how come my mom didn't give me anything? Here I am, I wake up at 6 a.m., the good sun, I drive in the snow to go get her, you know, I'm, I'm driving her all the way to O'Hare, and uh, all of this, how come she didn't give me anything? And so uh, I, I kind of ask her, you know, where's yours, Mom? Um, uh, and, uh, and, and she says, uh, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll give you something on the way home. I was, so, okay, okay. So uh, Saturday home, uh, Saturday comes, I go pick them up at the airport and uh, the roads were much better. I, I pick them up, I drive them all the way back to Sandwich and uh, we get to my mom's house. She hasn't given me anything yet. And so I go inside uh, to, to stay a while, you know, and uh, I, I'm there for, for a few hours and, uh, and still nothing comes. Um, and so it's, 
I got to go. Um, and so I said, well, mom, uh, you know, I'll see you on Monday. I've got a dentist appointment, so I'll be back in town. And she said, oh, um, when are you going to be here? Maybe we can get lunch. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe you could buy me lunch uh, for uh, thank you for uh, taking you to the airport. Um, anyway, you know what that's called? Uh, you know what that's called? Besides being like a complete uh, jerk, um, uh, an entitled child, uh, what that's called is uh, quid pro quo, which you've probably never heard of before. Um, uh, it's a Latin phrase. You've, you've probably never heard of it before, but um, it means something for something, right? Something for something. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Uh, I take you to the airport, you buy me lunch, right? And uh, that's the way the world is supposed to work, right? That, that's the way the world is supposed to work. Um, I started reading this book uh, a couple of weeks ago by Diana Butler Bass, and it, it's called uh, Grateful. And in one of the opening chapters, she talks about this idea, this, this, this way of the world. And she has a flow graph in, in the, the book that uh, I think I've got a slide for. Can you put that uh, image up on the screen? So she, she has this flow graph, and uh, basically what she says is that the way of the world is that there's benefactors, you know, someone who is kind and generous, someone like me who takes his mom to the airport, uh, who does something for someone else, gives them a gift, uh, and then there's beneficiaries who are supposed to show their gratitude to uh, the benefactor by doing something or giving something in return. And this is the way we often look at the world as the way things are supposed to work. If someone gives you a gift, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to send them a thank you note, right? If someone buys you lunch at work, you're supposed to buy them lunch the next day. If someone does something for you, you have this bounden duty or obligation to pay them back, right? Um, there's problems with this system, though. Um, the system can be used as a means of power and control, you know, you hold something over someone's head when they don't pay you back for what you've given them. Um, it can get perverted in the sense that we start to, to give people things, not out of the goodness of our heart, but in order to get something in return. Um, it also perverts things on the other side of the equation as well because gratitude in this sort of system becomes not a feeling but an obligation. We're not grateful because we're really grateful. We're grateful because we have to be, right? It becomes a requirement, something you have to do. Um, the reason I bring this cycle up is because when I was reading it, I couldn't help but think about this day, a Pledge Sunday in the church, and think about all the ways that we often think about giving in, in, uh, in the church. One of the most common ways that we think about giving is that the, there's this great benefactor, this great benefactor, God, who, who has given us this amazing gift, and because of this amazing gift that we've received from God, we now have this obligation 
this, this bounden duty, this requirement to show our gratitude to God in response. And so maybe we give money to the church or we sign up to serve on a committee or uh, serve in some ministry area. And it's all as an effort to pay God back for the gift that God has given us. Another way that we can get into this thinking is by viewing the church as like a, a provider of religious goods and services. Uh, the church is just a provider of religious goods and services. And me, the pastor, I'm just a purveyor of these religious goods and services, right? And so in order to show gratitude, uh, a compensation for providing these goods and services, we put a few dollars in the offering plate on Sunday morning. Another way we can fall into this thinking is, uh, is in our ministries with the church. Um, I don't know how many times uh, over the course of my eight years in ministry that we've been involved in, in, in a ministry in the community and we give a, a free meal to a group of people or we, we host a fun event for the community and uh, we say that we're doing it out of the, the, the goodness and the kindness of our heart, but after a while I've started to hear people mutter to themselves, how come none of those people that we gave that meal to have come to our church? Um, uh, we did this for them. Why haven't they come back? And all of this makes me kind of pause and, uh, and think about the question I asked you at the beginning. Why do you give? Why do you give? Is it out of obligation? Is it out of duty? Is it uh, because you think you've already received something and you have to pay it back? Or is it to get something in return? Uh, is there another reason entirely why you give? Um, that scripture that I read earlier from Acts 4, we've got this picture of the early church. And uh, it says that all the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. You know, uh, I sometimes, I all the time think that the money that I've got in my bank account, the possessions that I have in my home, uh, all the things that I have in my life, they're mine because I worked for them, right? They're mine. Um, but here it says, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. You see, they recognize, and, and this is something that, that comes when you follow Jesus, what they recognize is that all things are a gift from God to us, that, that nothing that we have is not a gift from God, that all that we have is a gift from God. Um, and because of that, they shared everything they had because it, it wasn't theirs to, to hold on to, theirs to, to hoard, theirs to dole out as they saw fit. It was all a gift that they'd received from God, and because it was a gift that they themselves had received, they wanted to share it with everyone else. It goes on to say, With great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all, that there were no needy persons among them. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. 
God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Everything that we have is a gift. Everything that we have is given um, by God without being earned and with no expectation of return, which is a lot more than a gift. It's actually grace. And uh, when we start to recognize that by following Jesus, we see all that we have as a gift. We see all that we have as a grace freely bestowed by God. And when we start to recognize that, it changes us. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. They received this grace from God and they wanted to share it with each other because they believed that everyone should have access to that grace of God, should be changed by that grace of God. There's another question on the bottom of your page. How has following Jesus made me more generous? How has following Jesus made you more generous? Why do you give? Maybe you've already filled out this card. Uh, maybe you haven't. Maybe you don't plan to. It's no skin off my back. Um, what I hope that you'll do is really consider why. And that this wouldn't be something you do out of obligation or out of uh, duty or to, to get something in return. Um, but that it would be an outpouring of the grace of God at work in your life so that others can come to know and experience the grace of God in their life. And so I'm going to uh, invite uh, Rick Slocum. He's uh, one of our leadership team uh, uh, finance people, and uh, he's going to have a, a basket up here, a plate. Oh, he's getting one. Um, and as you feel led, uh, come and, and uh, bring this card if you have it today. If you don't, there's, there's some available. You can, um, you can bring it next week or you can send it to the office. But uh, come as you feel led and uh, give as a commitment to God and as a sign of God's grace working in your life that you want to share with others. Let's, uh, let's pray over these uh, pledges. Gracious God, uh, 
we give you thanks for all that you do in our life, for the many gifts that you give to us our entire lives, from uh, the breath we breathe, uh, the sun that rises, um, the family we have, the friends we love, the possessions we have, the homes we live in, everything that we have is given to us by you as a gift that we didn't earn and that we can never pay back. It's grace working in our lives, your grace working in our lives. And so, God, we pray that as we follow you, that that grace would continue to work in the lives of of people around the world, that these offerings would represent your grace at work all over the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Friends, we come to this table, uh, this table of grace, this table uh, that represents uh, the gift that that Christ offers to us in his very self, his very body, his blood. And we remember how on the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his followers and said, take, eat, this is my body for you. As often as you do this, remember me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. And again, he gave thanks to God and he gave it to them.